Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right, Jason Walter, National Land Realty. I am super excited to have you on this episode of the podcast. Um, Guys, Jason and I go back to 2015. We met through a business mastermind that we were both a part of. Uh, we probably got some stories that we could share about that, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if we get time for it. So, uh, Jason, opening question everybody gets: What does it mean for you to be intentional? Well, it's good to see you, Mark. Um, there's probably some stories we shouldn't tell as well. That's the, right. Uh, <laughs> um, for me to be intentional means you have purpose. Um, I think to me the two words are hand in hand. Um, you know, you can you can have a job or you can have a purpose. And the way you uh, approach those two things are totally different. And so, you know, no matter what it is you do, whether it's uh, you're raising, you know, kids, you can you can show them to school and make sure they do their homework or you can actually have a purpose behind what you're trying to accomplish. Make sure they're, you know they have their faith and they understand why they're going to school. And, you know, they, they, and, and that goes for anything you do, whether it's working out, whether it's, um, you know, as a husband, uh, business leader, if you don't have purpose behind what you're doing, which to me is, is being intentional, then you just, you just kind of flap it in the wind. Yeah. Just kind of floating, just, just floating through the day. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I, I, a lot of uh, organizations in the in the industry struggle with talent retention. Uh, I'm curious what that looks like in your business because I know you have a lot of probably independent um, agents in, across. I know you guys are in like 48 of the 50 states, uh, everywhere yeah. in the the lower 48. So talk to. I mean, so, so I know that can be a challenge. Um, and then I'm sure you have some in-house staff. But what uh, what do you guys do to kind of keep keep people around? Well, and that goes back to purpose as well. You know, we 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 have a purpose at our company, and um, you know, people feed off that. You can have you can have the checklist, like you know, you offer a yoga room or you know, Zen room or whatever it is, and that that doesn't last. That's just a short term thing. Maybe they enjoy that for a few weeks, but you have to have a culture that they know you care. They know you care about them and their growth. Um, you're right. We're in, we're in a bit different company in that we have 400 plus independent contractors and we also have 40 plus W2 employees. So, and those are totally different worlds in and of themselves, but we have extremely low turnover in an industry that's extremely high turnover. And, and, you know, you, we wake up every day trying to figure out, well, you know, why do these people want to stay here? Cause they can go somewhere else. And, and that mindset, we're always, looking to add value to their business or their job or their future. Um, if you don't give people a path to grow, you know, they're, they're going to leave or you're going to wish they had left. That's a, 
that's a that's a meme statement. <laughs> I think right there, right? If you don't give them a path to grow, they're going to leave or you're going to wish they had. And uh, so which when you think about it like that screams of of intentionality. When I'm talking about intention, you know, what does it mean to be an intentional leader, an intentional agribusiness leader, whatever the case may be, like to, you know, I love your definition of its its purpose, right? Having a purpose and and we also think about like, well, how do you deploy that? Well, you got to wake up and think, well, how do I work on my purpose instead of being reactive to the day to day? And I think a lot of people get stuck just reacting to what they think people want or reacting to the market, reacting to the swing, the trend, the thing that's happening right now, as opposed to uh, being a little bit more proactive. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you do you have any pro tips on like that path to grow, what is I mean, how do you how do you help people grow in your world? Well, that word proactive, you know, real estate is a reactive industry. You you know, you wake up one morning, decide you want to buy, you know, a piece of land or a house or whatever, and you call your real estate agent and they go out there and see what's on the market. Our approach has always been proactive. We go out and meet with all the landowners in the county. We're constantly meeting with them, you know, so a lot of what we sell is off market product. Um and, and that's that's just one aspect of the business, but that's being proactive. And um, that goes along with intentionality and purpose. You know, if you're just reactive, then you have a job. If you've got a purpose, then you're going to be more proactive. And I think that, that that's a, it's a, again, it's a small comment, but it's a massive, massive difference in the way you approach your day. Got it. I, I like that. You know, I know I know a lot of my customers struggle, or they come to us because you know, salespeople aren't closing enough business, right? And how do we how do we get them asking for the business more? Which really, to me, is a symptom of not having enough in the pipeline anyway, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I don't have enough going on, and therefore, like it feels like I need this deal, and and when when an opportunity comes up, I don't want to lose this one. And when I when I'm afraid to lose that one, I, I carry a very different energy. And so what you're talking about is we actually we're 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 working the market ahead of time, building that network ahead of time before you truly need it. Yeah. No, you know it's funny. I always tell people or salespeople that you're not in the sales business in the relationship business. And it's funny because this happened just yesterday. I'm buying a piece of land that a farmer's farming. And I can't close on that land until he gets his crop off the property. And it's a development piece, so I, I need I need him to want to get his crop off the property. And um, I haven't talked to this individual. It was 12 years it was the last time we spoke. And we spoke for 49 minutes yesterday, and we could have talked all day long. But it was because of the relationship I built with him 12 years ago that we just picked right back up. And so mm-hmm. if, you know, people, people can read you and if you're just there to make a buck, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but it's a short lived career. You know, you've got to be there to create a relationship, you know, especially in the ag business and dealing with farmers and landowners, they, they you know, everybody's going to sell at some point. Most landowners never want to sell. Most farmers never want to sell their land, but they're going to have to at some point. So if you're there and you show you care and you create a relationship, that's a much easier transition from, hey, I've got to sell this land. Somebody passed away or, you know, the kids don't want it, whatever it may be, versus just some guy that rang him up and said, hey, you, you know, 
I'm Johnny with you know ABC Realty. We, we, you want to sell your land, and that's a hard concept for people to grasp. But you know, I would say half of our people get it and half don't. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's again, it's just like the purpose and intentionality. It's like, are you really there to help the landowner? And of course, and be honest, you know, you're there to make money. There, there's no, you know, don't don't try to disguise it. But in the process, can you help somebody? Can you help that guy, you know, sell for the most amount of money he can get, not just, you know, trade the land? And people, people, you know, especially landowners, especially farmers, they can read people. They understand people, and they understand if you're there with a good intention or a bad intention. That, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, so what would growth look like if you're giving a, somebody in your company – so let's take the, the the W2 side of the business. If you're trying to help some of your team get better, improve, whether it's skill sets, mindsets, I don't care. What what does it look like inside your culture? Well, it, you know, it starts with education. If you ever start learning and growing and you're dying, I mean, that's saying that holds true. Um, and, and so, again, if you're going to work for a paycheck or you're going to work to, you know, with purpose and, and, and getting better, um, you know, today's society, things change so fast. I mean, it, it changes a thousand times faster today than it did in 07 when I started the business. And, and so we have to create opportunity, but people have to take ownership in their job. They've got to want to get better and want to grow. And, and then we have to give them the opportunity to be able to do that. But I, I would say that's the number one, you know, the number one thing um, we actually, and, and you can relate to this, you know, we used to be heavy, heavy on long-term goals, annual goals, five-year, three-year, we scrapped all that. It's 90 days at a time now because the world changes so fast that what we finally realized probably around 2015 was we would set goals in January and by November, October, they were irrelevant because the whole context had changed. And so we just started going to 90 days at a time and we compensate our people, their bonus structures based on their 90 day, what we call rocks based on um, the OS system. Um, okay. But so you, their, so actually, their bonus system is based on that. Right. So your incentive system is actually based on 90 day outcomes. 90 day goals every quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And people respond pretty well to that. They do. You know, you have bonuses are so tricky. If you, if you aren't, if you aren't intentional about them, they just become part of their salary. And if they don't get them, they get mad. And, and, and what you tried to accomplish with the bonus backfired. So you have to stay on top of it and you have to be intentional about it or you just you just gave a raise and didn't get anything for it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I know that's one thing that a lot of people really struggle with and it's something I'm looking for um, a better resource to be able to share with clients uh, is being intentional about how do we create incentive programs that are not just based off of Hey, you're a nice guy, and then this this legitimately happens. Like the, the, you're somebody who's a nice guy, and you know we didn't want to lose him, so we threw him an extra couple thousand, <laughs> you know, yeah, or more yeah. here here or there. And so there's no real teeth in it, right? There's no real um, uh, in, uh, true true incentive, you know, attached you know to to this thing. And so um, I, that's one area that I would love to see more leaders become more intentional about. 
And, and part of that, I think for leaders just stems from like, where's the education on that, that I, I struggle to find, I've Googled it and researched it at length, like where we are, what's the, what's the right system? How do you really create, you know, the right incentive structure for different parts of the, of the agriculture industry. And a lot of people really struggle with that. So very interesting. So you, you recommend e, e, the EOS entrepreneurial operating system. Yeah, you know, we, we we implemented bits and pieces of it like we have with a lot of different systems, but but that bonus structure, the rock structure, you know, is what they call their quarterly goals or rocks. Um I really do like that a lot. And you know, and that was part of the coaching program you and I went through. That's where the I first heard about ninety day goals. Yeah. Um and, and then reading that book came out about the same time. So yeah, I, I do recommend that. Yeah. 90 day goals for me have been just 90 day outcomes. Here's something I'm working on for the next 90 days. Uh, you know, last, yeah. uh, last spring I did 75 hard, you know, which is less than 90 days, 75 days, but it was just, you know, you do these six yeah. things every day, check the box, check the box, check the box. Right. And you know, when you're, and you can physically see the, the results <laughs> of, you know, your, your body, your energy, everything starting to change little by little while you go through that, you know, physical mind, physical and mindset development program. Um, I, I, I well, like another thing too, yeah, another thing too, you'll notice, you know, football season's coming up and especially in the Southeast, it's a religion and yeah. what you'll hear every single coach, especially in college, every single one of them, every single week, one, one game at a time, one week at a time, we have a one, one game season. I mean, every one of them says the same thing, but there's a lot of truth that they're not worrying about the national championship. They're focused one game at a time, one week at a time. And it's the same concept, but it's just, it's crazy how your successful leaders have all gravitated to that one concept. Don't worry about the end result. It'll, it'll take care of itself if you just focus on getting the job done. Yeah. And I think a lot of people really struggle when, when they're in the heat of the battle day to day, it feels like, well, that's the next one thing. <laughs> right like that's yeah. the next one thing yeah so, it, so you know i think we have to we have to differentiate between okay we're just reacting to what's going on today versus we're intentionally working toward this this is the outcome is the effort i'm putting in today appropriate and in alignment with what we're actually trying to create and i think you know at least for me yeah. when i'm just like reacting to what what's not going perfectly right now and i'm focused on that then i take my eye off that next 90-day outcome well, and it also comes down to back on the purpose and intentionality. What the concept is, is be the best you can be today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, you know, especially with the world the way it is now. Who knows what the future looks like? The only thing you can do is control today. And if you do your very best today, good things are going to happen over time. And you do that every day. And, and that's really it, because it is a fine line between just getting locked into tunnel vision and you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over. The, the real meat behind what everybody's preaching is focus on today and be the best you can be today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. It'll take care of itself if you're the best you can be today. Mm -hmm. Incredibly well put. Love it.
All right, let's move on. So a lot of people talk about culture. We've we've tapped on it just a little bit in the last uh, 15 minutes or so. Um, I find very few leaders are really intentional about creating culture within their workplace, uh, culture by accident, if you will. So what what to you, Jason, at National Land and, and in the businesses you've been involved with is the most important thing as it pertains to creating intentional culture? So, I, you know, and a lot of people might not agree with this, but I don't think culture can be taught or mandated. I think culture is a combination of a bunch of good people working together. I think people create culture. You know, you got to have a direction and an overarching, uh, you know, theme or, or, or culture, I guess you, you could phrase it. But you can have all the best intentions, you can have the best training, you can have the best, you can have every freaking amenity known to man. If you have the wrong people, all you did was just waste a whole lot of money and time. So the the number one key that I found in business, and it can go both ways. If you get the wrong ones, it can be a cancer like no other. But if you get the right people, if you surround yourself with people that are better than you, that compliment you, that are diverse, then you're going to have a good culture. Now you got to have somebody that kind of drives that culture a, a bit. But if you read a book and you try to script a culture, you're just wasting your time. Wow, I like the uh, I like the abruptness of that. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> and I think you know you talk about you know you need somebody to, to drive the culture, which I mean. So if someone, if we would say we, we bring somebody on and after 90 days or a year, you know, it becomes pretty evident, like they're not a good fit for the culture. Is it a situation? Do we try to get, give that person a chance to upgrade themselves and, 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 you know, get into the culture and adopt it? I mean, do we just hire, you know, say, Hey, we, we hired a slow, let's fire yeah. fast. Like what's, what's your take on how do we defend it? You know, I've, I've, I've had many thoughts over the years, but now that I'm on the, you know, latter part of my business career, I would say it, it's been just blaringly clear. For the most part, people don't change. If they're a bad fit day one, they're going to be a bad fit day, year, and one day. And and the worst thing you can do is let them hang around because they will be a cancer and they will infect your company. And and, and it's happened happened to us and um, in some companies and in situations and offices and. The other thing too is, especially with a company like ours, you know, we're spread all over the country. Um, you know, what drives a culture in Charleston, South Carolina is going to be different than what drives a culture in Omaha, Nebraska, mm-hmm. or San Diego, California. You know, you have to be a little bit flexible as well. I mean, you you, you know, you need to have your base and your principles and your and and, and, and what you know your what drives your business, but. Um, you know, you, when you try to create a one size fits all, I think you have issues as well. But um, yeah, my that that slow to hire, quick to fire is I can just tell you from lots of experience that is a rule that you should live by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, something just uh, popped into my head as you were talking and explaining. You know, maintaining a culture, especially in a uh, an environment where you have you know four hundred. Uh, independent contractors across the country. 
how do you motivate someone like that to, or do you prov- provide any program to help them uh, programming to help them grow, to kind of want to get up and go get it? I mean, I guess my hope would be that there's uh, plenty of upside, unlimited upside for if I can go find enough land to sell <laughs> and enough customers yeah. that want to buy it. But how, like, what, what do you guys do to, to kind of build that culture of want to go win for somebody who effectively is a 1099 type of uh, you know team member. And I mean, they're, 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 they are their own business, right? They are, they're their own business and, and they're, and they're wired independently. That's why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. So going back to showing that you actually do care, it's one thing to say you care. It's another thing to spend the money on proving you care. So for us, you know, faith is a big part of our company. We have corporate chaplains. So if people have a struggle in their life, um, they can call the corporate chaplain. We have a monthly virtual Bible study for the whole country. And we also don't jam it down everybody's throat. If that isn't your cup of tea and, you know, you don't want to join, well, you know, it's not a company mandated thing at all. We have coaching, you know, we, we've um, had, I can't remember a time we didn't have some form of, virtual coaching or, or, you know, uh, training, all of those wow. things, they, they cost a lot of money and they take a lot of time. But I think in a lot of people, most people don't take advantage of them. They, you know, maybe 20%, but even for the 80% that don't, you can't deny that we care that we're trying. I mean, I get it right all the time, but at least we're giving it our best effort doing, you know, I'm here in Charleston, South Carolina. We've got people in Boise, Idaho. You know, there's only so much I can physically do to help those people. I created a system. We've got training. You know, you're kind of off on your own. But I can spend money to offer programs that help assist if they're in a time of need. And, man, I'm telling you, the craziest thing about the corporate chaplains, we've had people, we've had people that didn't want anything to do with the corporate chaplains. Their dog dies. This is a true story dog does and chaplain's in the office 45 minute conversation ensues and that leads to more conversation and the next thing you know they really are confiding in this chaplain when they have a death in the family or you know trouble with marriage or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. um but that person is there that's something that you know we've we've provided for them that um shows we care wow that is really cool. I think I'm on, you might be about the 11th or 12th interview since we started putting this thing together. And I've yet to hear anybody say that they offer that to their people, which is really, really incredible. And, and I appreciate you sharing it, man. Very cool. Yeah. No, and that actually is a uh, corporate chaplains of America is a business in and of itself. I mean, they, mm. they are built to be a chaplain for businesses. Really? Corporate chaplains of America. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're a big organization. They're all over the country. Highly recommend them. Very affordable. You want to show your people you care. That's a great way to do it. Wow, that's fantastic. I will make sure that we put that in the show notes, guys. And um, yeah, check into that. You know, that's, that feels like a good fit for your company. So, all right, Jason, we're going to go to a little, little bit of a speed round here to kind of close things out. So what, what's been a big win for you What's uh, as, a, as a leader? What's been one of your biggest wins? You know, my biggest win, and this goes back to a Tony Robbins event I went to 2004, where we kind of decided, you know, what, what, what is your purpose? What are you good at? What are you the best in the world at? What he drives you? And I came up with this word 
called Synergist. Because ever since I was a little kid, everybody in the neighborhood came to my house to play. I always, I always pulled people together. You know, when I went to college, I was a social chairman. So it made sense that I was able to build a national brokerage firm because all I did was pull people together to create, you know, for a common purpose to create a powerful organization. So my biggest win is just the people I've assembled around me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I, I can assure you, like, I, if I told you my high school grades and my SAT score, and you probably wouldn't want to interview me. So yeah. I didn't do this on my own by any stretch. I, I, I surrounded myself with people that are a lot smarter than me. Yeah. And, you know, it paid off. I mean, that was by far my biggest win was, you know, just like yourself and the coaching yeah. stuff we've been through, right? Yeah, I just was lucky at an early age to know that coaching, mastermind groups, who you hire, who you partner with, all of those things will determine who you become. Absolutely. So the word was synergist? Yeah. Synergist. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Did, did you go to Clemson? Is that where you went to school? Or where? I did. I went to Clemson. Yeah. yeah. I could I couldn't get into Clemson. I didn't even apply. I, I, that's what I was just gonna say. Like I I would yeah, not get into the I, University of Minnesota today based on my no. grades back then. It would be too hard. So. <laughs> well, I, I I did get into Clemson back then based on my grades. I had to go to junior college and I played a little baseball. And, oh, um, yeah. I I I, lear- I learned how to study my freshman year of junior college. And yeah. I kind of figured it was time to time to put quit playing and start learning. Yeah, no, that's great. All right, what's uh, what's been one of the big hurdles that you've had to overcome as a leader? Biggest hurdle is the same thing was the biggest win. It's it's who you surround yourself with. You know, mm-hmm. If you if you surround yourself with good people, you you look like a rock star. You surround yourself with the wrong people, you look like the devil. And um and and I've done both, and and that is hands down the biggest win and the biggest loss. Yeah. Perfect. What's the uh, what's a book or podcast or audio book something that people ought to be taking in right now? Well, the first book I'd recommend is the Bible, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, I think that's an important important book to read daily. Um, one of my favorites is just you know here on my shelf, "As a Man Thinketh." I just love that little book. You know, you can read it on your lunch break. Um, and and the good to great book. You know, that and the sequels, um, those were probably some of the most profound. You know, some of it was timing. Um, matter of fact, I didn't even mean for this to be here, but I have this little hedgehog that the guy, the guy that got me in the land industry, a guy named Dan Bruce, uh, he, he, when I joined up with him in 2003, good to great, the book had just been written, and he bought everybody in the company a hedgehog. And everywhere I've ever gone, I've got that hedgehog that just sits right behind beside me. But um, those principles, I think, are profound and and everlasting. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I would say that's probably a foundational book that I would recommend. Good, perfect. The Bible, as a man thinketh, and good to great. I love it. All right, last uh, probably- and, and then built built the last was a, was a, oh, a yeah. sequel to Good to Great. Yeah. You know, you recommended a book to me years ago that I really, that I recommend to people actually, uh, that I really enjoyed. It's actually very relevant to the folks in the ag industry um, because it's based off of a, I believe it's a Case IH manufacturer or dealer um, um, outfit called the, the Great Game of Business. You remember that one? 
That, yeah, matter of fact, I just started a new business, the heavy equipment business, and I talked to my head guy, the guy who's running for me. I talked to him yesterday about a great game of business. You know, great yeah. game of business is, that was a phenomenal book. I actually went to Missouri and went to where it started and went through the whole program. And, you know, that's all about open financial, open book management and financials. Um, it, we, we try to, it's a bit tricky when you're an entrepreneur, especially in a smaller business, because you're, a lot of times you're not making a profit. And, yeah. you know, a big manufacturing company, you can show, you know, it's, if you're not making a profit, great game of business isn't a really good program because <laughs> you don't have a lot of profit you're sharing. And sometimes that's intentional. Yeah. And so we, we kind of backed off of it a bit, but it, I'm going to probably give it another shot in this new business. And, and even, even when I started talking about it, I'm like, but we're probably not going to be profitable for a couple of years by design. And so it, that open book financial management is, is key, I think. And this is why most people, most employees believe a business is, is operating at 33% profit margin. Mm-hmm. When in reality, they're operating at three to four. So your fear is always going to be an open book management. I don't want people seeing how much money I make. The reality is they think you make 10 times more than you do. Mm-hmm. And so when, when they see the struggles you're actually going through, they, you know, I, I, I had this happen the other day. I had an, a, an agent I met with and he was kind of down and out. And I told him some hard things I was going through and he kind of lit up like a Christmas tree. It, it, I didn't know how to tell you. It kind of felt good that I had some bad stuff going on. And I think it was because in, in his mind, it's like, this guy just hasn't made, you know, everything's yeah. all roses and rainbows. And anybody who runs a business knows, you know, we always think, gosh, man, but I just have been better off being employed and, and taking a paycheck and going home with my family. Cause, yeah. Cause there's a lot of advantages to that. Um, right. you now when you're wired the way we are, you can't do that. But, um, but yeah. anyways, you know, I think it's a good book for people to investigate, and I think it can work for some, not for others. Yeah. I, you know, one of the takeaways I had from it was just helping people understand that, hey, whatever the the, the 60000 80000 100000 or whatever year that you're, that, that that is your salary or that is your compensation and compensation package, like, hey, here's how that impacts the bottom line. This is what it's intended to create for the business. This is how it helps solve problems. And when I think when people at least understand that component of it, and it's not just another job, right? It's not like, hey, like this actually yeah. impacts the other people around me. For me, that gives me a sense of purpose. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah very yeah, intentional. Good. All right. Hey, uh, last last question we probably got time for, Jason. So what what do you do to keep your energy up and, and keep your keep your pro- productivity high? Exercise. I mean, you know, I know it's it's a routine answer, but in 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 eating, um, I just I signed up, you know, Tony Robbins had a new book come out called Life Force. And out of that, they created a group called um, Fountain Life. And it's all about kind of tricking the mother nature and the biological clock. So, like, actually, I had a full body scan done about a year ago. And they give you three ages. They give you your body. We have your chronological age. And then they, they give you an age based on a few different components. And then they give you an age based on if there's no clock, like based on your blood work and your findings, how, what are you equivalent to? Mm -hmm. I was 33 years old when on 
you know, chronologically, I was 48 or 40, yeah, 40, 49. And, um, and their job is to rewind that clock. You can actually yep. become younger. You know, you can't do that forever, but, and, and it's not, I'm not saying you're trying to live to be 150, but the concept is the average male, and I might be off a year or two, but the average male has a chronological or, or a chronological illness, um, uh, not chronological, I mean, a, a uh, I forget the word for it, but a very debilitating yeah, illness for the last 23 years of their life. Hmm. So from 50 to, you know, and they live to be 73, 74, 75, whatever it is. So basically from the time you're 50 till you die, you're pretty miserable physically. Hmm. And, and that's just no way to live. You know, their, their hmm. idea is, Hey, I want you to be alive one day and dead the next, hopefully when you're a lot older, but you, you you're able to function at a high level until the end. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that, that takes, I get blood work done every quarter and, and monitoring it. There's a price to it. But the funny thing about health is this program costs 20 grand a year. I don't blink an eye about spending 20 grand on my business, but it's like unheard of. Spend. Why would you spend $20,000 a year on your health? That's crazy. And when you think about that comment, that's the dumbest thing anybody could ever say ever. Right. Yeah. Well, put. I mean, where yeah. are you without your health? You know, and it, so I, you kind of have to shift gears on the way you think a little bit, but long, long answer uh, to a short question, but your physicality is, is that, and, and, and your faith, you know, reading the Bible or studying. I mean, I think if you've got your faith and your physical health in the right place and you're going to have a pretty good day every day. Yeah. Well, that's, Fantastic, man. I, I love what you're sharing. Um, you know, Christine and I uh, went, uh, we stopped in, in Orlando. Uh, my daughter had a volleyball tournament down there and the biohacking conference was going on right next door, you know? And so she yeah. went. That's and, where uh, my doctor is, is in Orlando. Yeah. So, yeah. So we stopped in and, and uh, I, I didn't, I had to go uh, to the tournament, but uh, Christine went in and, and had uh, got her, her biological age you know, figured out. And now we're working on all kinds of things to kind of try to try to move that, to move that backwards <laughs> a yeah, little bit. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be doing the same thing. Uh, I've got blood work, paperwork sitting here on my desk, do that at least once a year, um, you know, just to see, Hey, like where, where are you at? And, and, and it's all in the, <clears throat> in the essence of like, not only this living, right. It's not about how long do you get, like how much, but how much vitality do you get to experience while you're living? And that's where exactly. I find most people don't are not intentional about that. We're very accidental about that. If you treated your business the same way or treated your team or your wife or your husband, the same way that you treat your body. I mean, they'd all leave you. <laughs> yeah, right? they would. Well, and that, and that was part of the book and the concept is the amount of technology that is out there now for health benefits is insane. Mm-hmm. And it usually takes 30 years for our medical system in the United States to adopt to a new, a new concept of technology. And it's out there. I mean, just, you know, quick story. Yeah. I tore a tendon in my foot playing basketball a, almost a year ago, got an MRI, everything, you know, everybody's saying it's plantar fasciitis, whatever. I went down there. They took this new little handheld um, thing and, and I, uh, I can't remember what you call it, but anyways, they ran over my foot and they could see where the tear was in the tendon. 
And then they put uh, memory cells in there, kind of like stem cell. It's kind of a spinoff from stem cell and fixed it. If they had not have found that, it would have never, it wouldn't have healed itself. It would have never been fixed. And I couldn't mm-hmm. run for like eight months. And so now, you know, I run every day. Wow. So there's just these little things that you can do that, that the technology is there. It is not at your local doctor's office. I can you got to go look for it. Yeah. You got to be intentional yeah. and go look for it. Yeah. Good. Uh, really good pro tip. And I want the name cause I've got the same thing, something going on on the left foot right now that needs yeah. to get fixed. So, um, that is, uh, that's great. Uh, Jason, any last thoughts or uh, considerations, things we should uh, look into before we go, or how do we get a hold of national land? If we, uh, if we got somebody that needs to buy some. Yeah, no, uh, if we can help you in any way, um, it's nationalland.com. We're operating at every state and be glad to help. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Hey, thanks for being on here. All right. Thank you. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there's something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.